I have had no joke. There's become like an epidemic for some reason. All of a sudden, every single trip I have, at least once a day, I have someone who has lost their earbud and is like freaking out trying to find it because it fell out of the, their ear or always constantly. And they're like getting up when we're on the taxiway. It's so annoying. I either have that or I have a man spill his entire drink all over himself. I don't know what's going on. That's so specific. I don't know what every, I will be like restocking my stuff and a guy will come back. He's like, I need a change. I just spilled. And he's like begging for napkins, scaring the crap out of me. And I'm like, okay, calm down, change. And then here's some napkins. It's like constant. I don't know what's going on. It's weird. Oh, that's funny. Speaking of dropping things or losing things on a plane, have you watched Hijack yet on Apple Plus? No. You and Jay need to watch that. I feel like we are going to despise it. Oh, you will. It'll be so fun. I'm sure you will. <laughs> I mean, there's some, there's some, there's some jaw-dropping moments in it, and it's so funny because, like, the 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 things I've listened to or even read about it, everybody always points. I don't even know what episode it is, like episode five or something. Everybody always points out, oh, but the end of episode five. <laughs> Oh my gosh. And you know, they, and I'm like, yes, yes. Oh, I mean, it's good, but yeah, you, you guys watching it would be a whole nother layer. I'm sure. I don't feel like they do too much stupid stuff because a lot of the times everybody on the flight crew are sidelined. That's unrealistic right there. by the hijackers. Have you ever been hijacked? No, because I'm with a great Idris flight on board? They see me and they're like, we're not going to mess with her. Right. Right. I know. But we're not talking about that today. No. Oh, that should be, that should be one of my picks to force you to watch it. <laughs> Ooh. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Do it. I dare you. <laughs> <laughs> All right, everyone. Hello, Hello, and welcome again to Duking It Out. This is the podcast where I, a dad, Stacey Campbell, and... Hannah Campbell. Uh, my daughter, we talk about and we argue about things pop culture related. And today we're going to be talking about 1973's Don't Look Now, mm-hmm. starring Donald Sutherland and Julie Christie. I should say Julie Christie and Donald Sutherland, yeah. because that's how it is in the Credits. in the actual show. <clears throat> Excuse me. And I should have looked that up. I'm I'm curious as to why she was listed first. <clears throat> I was wondering. I was like, oh, she must be in it more. But then that whole part where she like leaves and it's just Donald. So I feel like Donald has more screen time. Yeah. Well, I mean, he's clearly the main character in the movie main main at least but i just wonder i'm not super familiar with julie christie and i i just wonder if she was a bigger star at that point i don't know so oh she was in dr Shivago, so that was probably that was a big deal Mm. so maybe that's 
some of it. I don't know. Interesting. But this movie is a horror movie. Mm-hmm. Horror movie. Yes. I was just kind of saying that. That is the genre, but I was saying that questionably to see if there well, was that... going to be a reaction from you. Yeah. We'll talk about that. <laughs> if it actually is horror. So it's a horror movie about um, Donald Sutherland, John, and his wife, Julie, whose character's name is Christine. Laura. Um, Her name is Laura. I'm sorry, Laura. Their daughter is Christine, Mm. who, spoiler alert, is drowns in the first few minutes of the film. And the rest of the movie is them in Venice taking place about six months later or so, maybe a year later. I think it's probably Yeah, but there's hints of autumn in both that first scene when she drowns and in Venice. But Mm. maybe not. We'll say six to 12 months. But it's much later, and they're recuperating from the loss of their daughter when a couple psychics tell Julie that their daughter is alive and aware and and stuff. And that's probably about as much of the plot as there is. There's not a great deal of plot in the movie. There's a lot of atmosphere and, and tone and feels all Mm -hmm. the way through it. So, um, this was your first time, Hannah, to see the movie, correct? Yes. What was your, what was your overall assessment of this? I saw this when I was a very young, impressionable, innocent young lad (laughs) on, on my farm in Missouri and saw this and it creeped me out and it, it started my lifelong fear of old blind people and creepy looking little people. Whoa. Yeah. So, um, what were your thoughts seeing it now as a adult woman? Um, I think I was a little disappointed little underwhelmed with it all um i don't know it yeah it was just very 70s it's very 1973 and i was like okay and i really like i the sound design during all the creepy <clears throat> stuff was good but like older movie the sound design with like dialogue or if they're like dubbing someone or they didn't get them saying something outside, so they do, like, Foley later for it. It's always It always sounds terrible, um, which is hilarious to me. It always takes me out of the movie whenever something like that happens. I'm just like, that just sounds ridiculous. I don't know why you thought that sounded good. Um, <laughs> but I think, yeah, because the very end, the very end is him... Donald Sutherland is like chasing who he thinks is his daughter who is who dies in a bright red raincoat hooded raincoat and so we see this figure in Venice all the way through the movie at different parts 
Yeah. And uh, I don't know if Laura ever sees. I think Laura does see I the think figure. They get lost like early on in <clears throat> Venice, and they're both kind yeah. of like freaked out a little bit. And then they find their way back to where they were originally, and then they kind of like blow it off. But they, the end is we Donald, the audience like, we the audience see that figure. I think yeah. a few more times even than the characters do. And they yeah. don't really attribute it to their daughter until much later in the film. Yeah. But, go I ahead I don't know. Now. So, like, it's like this huge climactic moment and he's running after this person in, like, a red coat thinking it's his daughter and then his wife, Laura, is running after him because she knows something bad's about to happen to him. So, like, the editing of that, anytime there's, like, some kind of intense thing, the editing's always really good. And even at the end, it was good. But as soon as he catches up to the red-hooded figure, it's this, like, old little person who cuts his Shriveled. neck. And I was like, who even is that? I didn't understand. I was like, it's not like we've seen that person before. Why, why is she killing him? Like, we're That's, just supposed to think she's creepy because she is a little person? I no. didn't. I was just like, <clears throat> but it didn't you, make any sense to me. But you you followed that Venice, there was a serial killer going through Venice all the way through the movie, killing people. Did you not what? get that? When, <clears throat> did, when was that discussed? It was discussed at the very beginning when they get to Venice. The priest talks about it. They pull the body out of the river. <laughs> oh my goodness! They pull the freaking body out of the river. Well, why was she wearing a red jacket? Who knows? That's one of the criticisms of this movie. I guess because I it's a trick. It's I guess a I twist. Wasn't following that, you did not even understand. <laughs> Oh my goodness. I was I was like, who I didn't understand at all. I was like, why Hannah. is he getting stabbed right now? I, who even is that? Uh, oh that's on me. That's on me. Wow. Maybe we need to just stop this and you rewatch the movie and we'll pick it up later. <laughs> no. Wow. Okay. Yeah, so, okay, so that makes more sense, but I didn't... <laughs> I was like, is she connected to the psychics? I was like, why? So, so that's kind of one of the things about this whole movie is you don't know because of the editing. Like, even, even the beginning, what, 10 minutes, when we see... John and Laura working in the house and then Christine, the daughter and their son are outside playing. And that's when uh, she falls in water and drowns and stuff. That whole scene is just so well edited to make it oh, as yeah. creepy as possible, even though nothing scary is going on. It's yeah. just foreboding. But that the whole rest of the movie then is you're not sure, are we seeing what's happened or what's happening or is it real or is it imagined mm -hmm. like in the whole big which at that time was a huge controversial um love scene uh between it went on first i was like 
end it. Why does this keep? And they're like getting the way the editing. I was like, stop. End the scene. It was going on for way too long. Okay. Oh but my goodness. I agree. But I will defend that love scene over the love scene in Carol. Carol. I knew you're going to say that. And I agree because they're what, like the editing was fun and the way that they were like putting on clothes and the way that they, the shots were cool. Well, no, I think it's, no, I think it was super important to their, to their characters because right before this, John and Laura were in a restaurant where this blind woman and her sister run into them. And Laura goes in the bathroom to help the, one of the women get a splinter out of their eye. And that's when the blind woman talks to Laura and says, Oh, your daughter is happy and she's alive and she's with you. And she, and so it puts this whole big spin on Laura and it suddenly pulls her out of this funk that she's been in of grief. And that's when they have this huge, big passionate love scene. And so for the first time in who knows how long, she and her husband are really together. And so you, you get that sense of, of character that she's finally coming alive. And for the rest of the movie, she's happy and joyful and talking about their daughter yeah. and all that stuff. Show me them kissing in bed and then fade to black. I don't <laughs> need to see everything. I don't okay, need to but, see it. But I would also say... Um, the way that was edited with um, them getting dressed to go out to dinner afterwards, it was the whole scene was intercut back and forth. Yeah. I would also say that is a theme of the movie because it plays with time mm -hmm. and it goes back and forth a lot. Towards the end of the movie, um, and, and the blind woman at one point says that that she is a clairvoyant and John is clairvoyant. He has the gift as well, even if he doesn't realize it. And he's the one who sees this little red hooded person a lot, whether it's his daughter or the killer. We don't really know until the very end, mm -hmm. but um, Laura has to leave Venice at one point to go take care of their son who's at boarding school and is hurt or something. So he's left alone in Venice. Who they abandoned. They just lost their daughter and they're like, okay, bye to the son. I know. Isn't that Goodbye. weird? That is, I, that is so weird. Sorry. That's, it must be a European thing or something. It is so I don't weird. Know. But she leaves to go take care of him and then he's walking around and suddenly sees... Christine and these two sisters mm -hmm. on a a black boat. It's a, a hearse, basically, mm -hmm. like a funeral procession. And so even in that part, the film is playing with time. Because it's yeah. he's again sensing something bad is coming that could happen to me. And he's been warned, be careful, don't get you know, don't do Does he listen? No. No. no None of doesn't. the men None of the men None. in this movie listen or yeah. can see stuff. All yeah. the women do, though. And they're so open to the mystical and the supernatural, which I thought mm -hmm. was very interesting as well. Yeah. 
besides not understanding the ending, what did you what did you think of the ending given that it was so concrete? Because everything else about this movie is so ethereal. It's almost like a tone poem. It's just yeah. so there's not a whole lot of plot. There's lots of atmosphere. I mean, even Venice, even though I can't view Venice without thinking of Indiana Jones, Venice feels like a character in and of itself in the movie. Yeah, definitely. And it's empty. It's gray and brown, and there's no people around at all, hardly. Yeah. Except just red splashes here and there. Um. And then the ending is very clear and definitive that maybe all this ESP stuff and all this mind reading stuff and looking into the future is a bunch of hooey and it's really just about this serial killer. What what did well, you think of that? It was still about like them sensing that something was going to happen to John because he did get killed at the end. So, yeah, I think it was just, yeah, so shocking to, that's probably part of it, of it becoming like a very concrete thing of a serial killer. And also they were like, not only is it a serial killer, it's a disgusting, like old lady, little person. And I was like, why is that gross? I didn't under, we saw her face and like all the music. I was like, why? It's not gross. I she reminds understand. me of the. She reminds me of the, of the evil queen in Snow White, when she gives the apple to Snow White. She does look like her. Yeah, I I want to know if they like. Prosthetically. Made her more look like that, or if that's how she looks. So I'm like, if that's how she looks, she must, like, that's shitty. Of I them. bet that's how I don't she know. looks. So. Yeah, it was just really. It was a weird ending for me, I think. Because, yeah, it it was all very, like, on the peripheral, suspenseful things that were happening that would turn out to, like, not really be anything. Like, that first time that they got lost in the Venice, like, alleys, mm-hmm. that was really creepy. And then they found more people and then were safe and fine. But, I don't know. I really liked, though... Um, when she's in the bathroom helping the old women for the first time and the whole time there's just like a dripping in the background. Like it just doesn't stop the entire time. And then later when, um, Donald or John is up on that scaffolding, like the creaking Mm -hmm. never stops very set in the background. I loved all of that. All that kind of sound design was super, super creepy. Yeah, there's just, there is just, um, the whole thing is just so, so creepy. Um, the sister's laughing at one point. I mean, there's... But also, like, I think I was also confused because the two old women, the way that we, they were, like, shown, they were like, oh, aren't these women creepy? Like, this is so weird, da-da-da. But then they weren't, they didn't turn out to be the bad guys. And I never really found them creepy. I was just like, they're just old women. What's going on? Oh, I found them creepy. And they, they were so nice to her. They were telling her all these things. They were, they were very nice. But then just the way the film was shot, the, 
the way the one time they're just casually walking by the the church while John is up on a scaffolding and he's looking and they're just casually walking by like they're stalking him or something. It's just, again, it's very innocent yeah. stuff that just feels so weird and creepy. They at one point have a seance. They convince Laura to do a seance in order to contact Christine. John has nothing okay. to do with it, doesn't want to have anything to do with it. Laura is all there. And so this blind woman, she starts, um, I think, trying to channel Christine. And she's just yelling and moaning and grabbing her breasts and just squeezing yeah. them. And it's like, that's all I remember as a kid. like, oh, what is she doing? <laughs> what is going on here? Oh, it's so yeah. gross. It was just, I just wasn't, like, buying into it. I wasn't buying into any of the... I don't know. The things that they really wanted to make creepy were regular people. And I was like, I can't, they're not creepy. And like that whole thing, I was just like, like, it just makes me uncomfortable. But I'm like, yeah, I don't think it's exactly. in the way that he wanted it. I was like, you, I don't know. Who, the director? Yeah. He, oh, I, I, I totally think so. I think all that was intentionally designed just to... Oh, well, yeah. I, I know that he wanted everyone to feel a way about it, but I was just like... Mm. Yeah. I don't know. But even... I mean, even, even during that seance, there's this one shot of, if you remember, the blind woman and Laura, I think, facing the camera, and then the other sister is facing away from them and her head is like right in between them. It's just yeah. such an interesting, again, very uncomfortable shot. It's like they had, they had ugh. so many good shots. I loved like the filmmaking of it. Like it was a really cool movie or like, um, near the beginning where they're in that, um, restaurant. I think, Laura is in the bathroom with the women and it just goes back to John and John's looking at that like photo thing that's mm -hmm. kind of gone bad, but it's like zoomed in on that photo and then it like swoops over to find him. Just the way that it was the camera movement yeah. for that. I was like, Whoa, that was really cool. Yeah. Yeah. It's there was, yeah, there was just some really interesting. And even when she comes out of the bathroom at the end of that scene and she's, Laura is all flustered have, having talked to the blind woman who mm -hmm. said she's talked to her daughter, blah, blah, blah. She comes out and just very dramatically passes out on their table and it's all falls over in slow motion and yeah. he's trying to grab at her and everything feels a lot more intense than it needed to, Yeah, I think. And I think that's what's so remarkable about about a lot of it. Yeah, I think I just wanted, like, a better payoff. Like, the whole time you're kind of, like, on the edge of your seat and it's really creepy and the atmosphere. And then the end, I was just not into it. I don't know. Yeah, it's not a, it's not a slasher film. That, no. And that's why, that's why I described this as more of a highbrow horror movie. Because it's... Well, but then the end of the movie, they make it seem like it was a slasher film. The way that he yeah, died. I was of. just like... Yeah. Meh. Yeah, I I thought it was well. A couple of things I thought was funny, like when you see their son 
at the school who's had an accident and they show him and he's got this enormous <laughs> lump on his head. It's like, holy cow. I mean, it's probably like, he... stood up like two inches off of his head. <laughs> yeah. Like, I'm glad Laura actually did go over. She's acting yeah. like she didn't have to. And I was like, girl, what? Yeah, He does definitely. not look good. <laughs> nope. I loved that. And I loved... Um, at the, I think it's at the end when they, when they actually, when John is killed and they actually have the funeral procession for him mm-hmm. and Laura and the sister get out of the hearse boat Without and just leave the, the blind woman, <laughs> just and leave just the leave blind sister. <laughs> and she's trying to get out of the boat and climb up these stairs by yeah. herself. That's what I was like. They just left her. Like someone go and grab her. And she doesn't have her a sister comes back and like helps, but I was oh, like, Oh yeah, oh well, forgot about you. She doesn't yeah. have a cane or anything. Nothing. Like, oh wow. Trying to get out of a boat. Right. Oh my goodness. Right. <laughs> who would who would live in Venice? Why do people live there? What do you mean? It is just I mean, there's no ground. There it's just all cobblestone and sidewalks and they're <laughs> All these buildings are just built on a canal and are sinking. I was, I was, as I was watching it again, I was like, wow, there is actually no ground here. That is just, I can't imagine living in a place like that. Oh my gosh. That is so weird. Okay, so. When you, wait, no. Oh, when what? you, <laughs> um, when you were watching the, when Donald like goes into the lake to grab his daughter. Uh-huh. Um, did you feel a certain kinship? Cause when Jackson almost drowned in our Florida, <laughs> <laughs> do you feel connected to him in a way that you didn't? <laughs> <think> you would? <laughs> I did the exact same thing. No. <laughs> Jackson was That's like what I was wondering. two years old or something. And we had a, we had a swimming pool in Florida and he was in one of those little kid little tight cars that yeah. you just kind of like Flintstone along and he was going around the pool and I, I think you were you were in the pool right no because it was like I remember it Are being you... like a holiday like I remember people being over and it was well, cold my... and Jack it was cold there my folks were over yeah and yeah. I remember being in and like we a were turtleneck just... And we were all just yeah, playing and we outside were, and you guys were inside. <laughs> and we were just inside, but they were kind of playing in the backyard and stuff. And then Hannah runs to the door and Jackson's fallen, fallen into the pool. So I <laughs> dash outside and he's in this little car and it's just slowly sliding into the pool. <laughs> and his eyes are real big. So <laughs> there was plenty of time, but it scared us all. <laughs> And I grabbed him and pulled him out. But yeah, he was not wearing a red raincoat or anything like that, which was good. (laughs) What do you think this movie was trying to say? Trying to say. Yes. What do you think? What do you think it was trying to get at? Um might have stumped her maybe like women are intuitive 
Oh yeah, I could see more that. More intuitive than like the men that are around them. Yeah, because they were also incompetent the whole time. Or, or the men just don't. It's it's hard for the men to see truth. Yeah. Or to have to face stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah, that's kind of how I felt watching it, at least. I don't, what do you think? Um, I don't, I don't know if it had, like, a one central theme. I, I definitely think that was, that was a theme. I think the possibility of something happening beyond our reality, I think that was a theme. Mm-hmm. Uh, to be to be open to that. Um, maybe, maybe the, the allure of, of finding hope in, yeah. in the middle of grief mm-hmm. um, and, and needing that. That's probably about as best as I could summarize it. I don't know if it had more of a... Um, of a one sentence theme. Yeah. I think if the ending would have been a little different, would have been less clear, less muddy, less about the serial killer. I think it, that probably would have elevated the theme even more so. Mm-hmm. But I think that, um, that certainly grounds it in the, the possibility of the unknown. And maybe that's yeah. maybe that's the whole cyclical theme of it, mm-hmm. is we think we see things, don't look now, we think we see things, but we really don't. Could yeah. be something along those lines. Yeah. Deep thoughts. That all checks out. Deep thoughts. It was... Um... <laughs> um in the British Film Institute, it was number eight. It is number eight on their 100 best British films. Well, and I'm like, is it because it's from the 70s? Is that it? Oh, I wouldn't. It has I don't like think the so. 70s feel. I think the New York Times ranks it as number 18 on their list of 100 greatest films. Oftentimes, yeah. it will be on the top 100 greatest films. I kept seeing that and I was like, why? I think it, okay, that's a good question. Why do you think it was? You don't think it deserves it. There's just not much story going on. Like, it's just very atmospheric, which I guess does make it a good, uh, like, good filmmaking because it makes you feel uncomfortable when nothing's really going on. Yeah, I mean, there's shots. But that just linger like at the end of a scene, they just linger on a sign or a hotel worker or furniture covered in sheets. Yeah. Like for five or six seconds. And it's just weird and uncomfortable. Or like when they do like the montages, when they're editing, going through something weird and then you see something that we have already seen already. Like, I remember one of it, it was um, Donald fixing one of the gargoyles. And you can see him, mm-hmm. like, touching it and trying to move it. And then it would do a couple other shots. And then it would go back and he was, like, hugging it. 
which yeah. is weird. So stuff like that, I liked that, but I just that's not enough for me to like a movie. It yeah, can't I think just it's just be like shot well. Right. Yeah. I I could see that, but I think it's so different than other horror films. I think that's what makes it stand out. Mhm. I think that's what makes it different and feel very poetic and artsy because yeah. it's it's less about the narrative or a, a linear narrative and more about this whole feel of things. And you could say that about 2001 A Space Odyssey. You could say that probably about Fantasia at certain yeah. levels. Um, and I think that's probably why it, why it feels so unconventional. Mm-hmm. Whether it works. It, it wasn't as... It, I remember it being a lot creepier than I found it this time. Mm-hmm. I was like, huh, that wasn't as bad as I remember it. But that's probably because <laughs> I saw it during my formative years and it scarred me. I still don't like old blind people and oh my goodness. scary looking little little people. Oh my goodness. So that kind of messed me up in that regards. So I would say... You need to see this movie. What would you say? You can skip it. You can skip it. <laughs> I think it's a good... Unless you're creepy. in the mood for... It's just... It's very slow, atmospheric movie. I don't... I didn't even feel it was certain. slow. I didn't even feel like it was slow. What? Uh-uh. Because... Oh because the intensity was so was always there to me the the creepy factor so i can i can i can handle a slow burn as long as there's something pulling me in mm-hmm. if it's just if it's boring so i didn't feel i felt it was slow i didn't feel like it was boring slow i didn't think it was boring slow it was just since everything was so like they were trying to make everything super dramatic and super creepy I was like nothing is really creepy <laughs> I don't know <laughs> I just kind of got used to it and I didn't mm. I think if you're going for a scary movie marathon around Halloween, I think this is a good one to put in your repertoire because it's so different than pretty much any other scary movie. Mm-hmm. That's what I would say. And that's my opinion. <laughs> Hannah says, skip it. Don't bother watching don't it. Don't need to. Mm. Well, there we are. Uh, that's our discussion of... Yeah. 1973's Don't Look Now Mm -hmm. and uh, we're going to take a quick break and come back with our next segment of what we are excited about. Hang on. Yeah. Okay. And we are back. We are back. Me. Yes. Stacey and Hannah. And uh, we're going to be talking about what's making us excited right now. So, Hannah, my dear, 
what is happening? What's making you excited? What's getting you up in the morning? I am excited about um, Broad City. Still, um, I know it ended already, but I just finished reading Abby Jacobson's, um, I thought it was like an autobiography of her. Abby Jacobson is um, in a show called Broad City with her friend Ilana Glazer. It's just about 20-year-olds in New York, and it is hilarious, and it's so poignant to really anyone in a city, especially 20-year-old women in a city. It's just hilarious. So she, as she was writing the last season, she wrote this book. It's called I Might Regret This, Essays, Drawings, Vulnerabilities, and Other Stuff. And she's one of the main act- actresses in uh, Broad City. Yes. Gotcha. She is hilarious. I love her, and I can't believe it took me so long to read this book of hers. Um, just because I'm not, I just have never been super into celebrity what I thought was an autobiography, but then I got it and it was just her writing essays about different things in her life. So it's just more ruminations about where she is. Yes. And she, I feel we are so similar. I just love her so much. And like, she doesn't really even get into Broad City that much until about the middle of the book. And so she talks about how she meets Alana, which I knew that they were friends in college, but I didn't know like how they met. And just her talking about it is so heartwarming. Hmm. Just because they hit it off right away. They were like the only two female comedians in like their friend group. And they were doing a lot of improv together and they were like, fuck this, let's go write our own show. And so they'd put it on YouTube and then they sent it to Amy Poehler and they were like, Hey, can you help us do something with this? And she's like, sure. And so she became an executive producer on it. And that's how they got it put on comedy central. And so they did five seasons, 10 episodes each season. And it's so, I just loved reading about that. And she talks a lot about, like, um, how that helped her blossom and it helped her lift other women up. And she's very much, like, into mentoring other women because there's so few in the industry. And so she talks about um, how lonely she is in the book. Hmm. She wrote this in, like, 2017, came out in 2018. And I know in 2023, she just got married to her wife. Oh. And she, and like, I've listened to all these podcasts about how she loves her girlfriend and then fiance, and then they just got married. So it was just interesting reading her being so desperately lonely, right. but still like moving on with her life and knowing in the future that she will find her soulmate. It, huh. It's so good. So obviously, wow. as soon as I finished the book, I had to start rewatching Broad uh, City. And I realized when it ended, I was so devastated that it was ending. I have not watched the end of the series. I just didn't watch it. I was like, I can't watch it end. You didn't. So now I'm, you didn't watch the end of the series. 
I was too devastated. I was like, I can't watch the end. I can't watch them split up. You literally did not watch the last episode. I don't think I've watched the last three. You have a problem with endings. <laughs> I know. So I'm rewatching all oh of it. My and goodness. I will at some point get to the end. And rewatching Don't Look Now, apparently, so you can get to the end. <laughs> Gosh, how did I not know this about you? Oh my goodness. Okay, so what's um, the name so yeah, of the book? What's it, it is called I What? What tell tell me the name of the book again. Uh <laughs> It's called I Might Regret This Essays, Drawings, Vulnerabilities and Other Stuff. But you're not excited about that. You're excited about Broad City. Whose ending you I'm haven't seen? I'm excited about yet. both of them and I recommend <laughs> both of them. Um, also, if you're not sure who Abby Jacobson is, she's she like wrote and created and stars in um, A League of Their Own, the Prime show the series. Yes, show and <laughs> series. She, <laughs> she does a lot of voice acting. So she was in um, she's like the main daughter in Mitchell's versus the Machines, and she's mm. in that animated show on Netflix called Disenchanted. I am obsessed with her and I love her so much. Awesome. That sounds Yes. That sounds great. Great, great, yes. great. What's making you excited? What's making me excited is something very random and very specific. Um which I've just now pieced together different um themes that I hadn't ever put together before until just now. But apparently I'm Whoa. very into this black cowboy called Deadwood Dick. And I first read about him. He's also known as, his real name is uh, Nathaniel Love, Nat Love. And I first read about oh. him in Paradise Sky, which is an amazing Western written by one of my favorite authors, Joe Lansdale, mm -hmm. which I believe is being made into a movie. And parenthetically, I just finished watching um, a, a DC Universe animated film called uh, Batman. Uh, what was it? Batman and Robin. I think it was Batman and Robin. <laughs> well, I mean, because there's like. Batman and Son and Nightwing and there's mm -hmm. several of them but I think it was Batman and Robin and it was written by Joe Lansdale and I was like what? Oh. That was so weird and random. Anyway so Nat Love is in Paradise Sky that Joe Lansdale wrote otherwise known as Deadwood Dick but then he's also mm -hmm. portrayed by Jonathan Majors and yeah. the Netflix movie The Harder They Fall which is another amazing amazing movie oh. from last year? Two years ago? Two years ago, oh. almost per that movie's almost perfect. It that, is. That movie. It is fantastic. And so... Oh, my goodness. So then, just a, maybe a week ago, I stumbled upon a graphic novel that I will soon be reading that I'm very excited about called Best Shot in the West, The Thrilling Adventures of Nat Love, The Legendary Black Cowboy by Patricia C. McKissick and Frederick L. McKissick Jr., illustrated by Randy DeBurke. So I think it's more of a, a realistic, more of a history of him rather than a fictional history of him. I think. Yeah. I think it's I think it's designed to to be more legit. So I'm just 
I'm like, okay, I apparently love Nat Love because I continue <laughs> bumping into him in all kinds of different literary exploits and stuff. So that's what I'm excited about. I'm excited about this graphic novel that, uh, and it's, it's really, I've looked at the first few pages of it and it's, it's really beautiful from what I've seen so far. It's, Mm -hmm. it's not super colorful. It's almost like a watercolor pastiche. It's almost kind of got that watercolor feel to it. So a lot of the, the colors and tones are very muted. So it's just very okay. interesting and very pretty in that sense. So I'm looking forward to re- looking forward to reading that. And that's what's making me excited. Nice. Yeah. Love that. So cool. uh, we are going to take another quick break and then Hannah will come back and tell us, uh, give us our last call, tell us what we're going to be doing next time. we're back um i as i was trying to figure out what i wanted us to watch i had a sudden realization that we have had no female directors and i was like that's horrific i hate that so i had to make sure that i got a female director for my next pick um picked one of the best ones I think, for me personally. <laughs> um, next time, we're going to be talking about 1993's Sleepless in Seattle. Ooh, Nora Ephron. Ephron. Sleepless in Seattle? Okay. I know. Interesting. Love that. It's a bit of a break from our intense last few movies that we have picked. Yes, it's a definitely. Nice, soft landing. Yeah. Maybe we should, maybe we should invite... Uh, your mother to join us. Ooh! This is, I love that. This is one of her favorite movies, in fact. Yeah. And I'm... I, I'm quite sure we saw this in the theater. I'm sure we did. I'm sure. Because we were already married at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, so, oh yeah, I remember... I, I, I can see us sitting there in the theater watching Tom, Tom Hanks <laughs> cry to Rosie O'Donnell. so okay yeah so that'll be fun it's been a long time since i've seen that movie i had i had only seen it once until last year and then i was watching it by myself sobbing like i was (laughs) crying almost the whole time and i texted mom and i was like i wish you were with me i wish we could be watching this together because i forgot how amazing this movie is it's so good i can't wait that's that's a good pick. I I am a little. My only disappointment in the movie is is Tom Hanks and Meg Ryan don't yeah, yeah, share yeah. the screen much at all. Well, yeah, that's why we have you've got mail. But yeah, it still it still works. Did you got mail come out afterwards? Oh yeah. Okay, so it came out. Okay, I couldn't remember if it came out first or what. <laughs> Interesting. All right. Sleepless yes. in Seattle, 1993. Yes. That'll be a fun little little walk down memory lane. Yeah. So, gosh, that's 30 years old. I know. And Nora Ephron wrote that too, right? I feel like she did. Yes. 
course she did. Good. And if anybody heard a growling right then, that was not my stomach. That was a dog growling in my... <laughs> and all those um, collars clinking around. Yeah, there's there's four of them in the room with me right now. <laughs> <laughs> so... <laughs> Well, I think that's it. That's our show. Yeah. So yeah. thanks for joining us. Yes, uh, we'd, here. we'd love to hear your thoughts. So feel free to email us at dukingitoutpodcast at gmail.com. Give us your thoughts, your opinions, what you think about Don't Look Now if you see it or any of the other things that we've been talking about. We would love to hear from you. And uh, that's our show. We'll be back in a little while next time and the show is produced and edited and put together by our very own Katie Campbell and she does a great job so thanks mucho and uh, we'll see you next time Bye. bye